A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Grand Final Week on the Rugby League Guru Podcast. We've got the Gurus picking the Melbourne Storm, taking on the 17 in a row, the high-flying Penrith Panthers. It's going to be a massive week on the podcast. This is the only podcast you need this week. We are going to have content falling out of our ass. Stay tuned. It's going to be a massive one. Let's kick it off. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Scott Sattler, the Penrith Panthers hero during the 2003 Grand Final who made that amazing tackle on Todd Byrne down the left-hand sideline of ANZ Stadium. A champion bloke with a rich history of Grand Finals. Of course, his father, John, played in a handful of games and is really well known for his heroics in the 1970 Grand Final when he played on with... You know, a fractured jaw, a fractured jaw in three places. Just incredible stuff. Both John and his son Scott, who we're talking to today, have gone down in rugby league folklore as far as grand finals go. A champion bloke, a really good opportunity to have a chat to him and reflect on his memories from the 2003 grand final and then dive into some predictions for the 2020 grand final on Sunday. Let's kick it off. Sats, welcome on. How are we, mate? Oh, I'm very good. Thanks for having me. Mate, it's a pretty good week to be a Panthers fan, just quietly. Yeah, it is. It's uh, pretty exciting. You know, it's, um, it's uh, the last grand final win. Um, they tried to defend in 2004 and, and fell just a, a game short against the Bulldogs. But uh, since then, they've, they've played in and out of finals for a number of years. They've, they've hit a bit of a lean curve for a number of years as well. And and over the last couple of years, you could slowly see them uh, rebuilding again. So, yeah, Ivan's well, done a tremendous job. And, yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's so exciting that, um, uh, yeah, the, the Great West and the people of Penrith get to possibly celebrate uh, another Premier's victory. Mate, the Sattlers are no strangers to grand finals, just quietly. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, um, you know, the old man played in six and won four. And so he hasn't got a bad record himself. You know, it's um, they had a pretty, pretty hot side back in the 60s and early 70s and and um, 
Yeah, so when you talk about grand final experiences, I think he, uh, <laughs> he overlaps my experiences uh, quite easily. Mate, tell me about that 1970 grand final. That's obviously the one that he's, you know, he's best known for. Um, you know, obviously it was just before you were born, but, you know, obviously the folklore surrounding it, I've, I feel like I've heard a heap about it when I was growing up as a kid. It must have been massive for you. Yeah, there's probably a lot of things that, that people don't realise about uh, the, the game itself. And uh, John Bucknell, who was the front rower who smashed Dad's jaw, was in about the second or third minute as he ran up in defence and wasn't involved in the tackle and was just king hit as he turned around to get back into the line. And he broke the jaw in three places, um, just underneath both earlobes, and then a clean break straight down the middle of it. So it was sort of the jaw was sitting in two two pieces that were, were hanging down lower than what it was. And, and throughout the game, he pushed his jaw into place every time he was about to take a run. His teammates didn't know about it. Uh, Michael Cleary was the first to know who was out on the wing, and he actually said to Michael, hold me up because I think I'm going to faint. I don't want these guys to let, let them know that I'm that I'm injured. So Michael Cleary looked at him and saw the, what his jaw looked like. And Mick Cleary said publicly he thought he was going to faint at the side of his jaw. But at halftime, Clive Churchill said he wasn't allowed to go back on. He wasn't going to let him go back on the coach. And Bobby McCarthy and John O'Neill and Gary Stevens and Ron Coote and, and Elwyn Walters, they all got together and said, listen, let's just let's cut him out. Don't let him take the ball up. So... But he kept pushing his way in and kept getting the ball and kept getting the, the extra treatment from the, the manly forwards. And then after the game, he was meant to captain the 1970 World Cup at the end of that, that season. And he was sitting in the dressing sheds after they'd won the game. And he pushed his jaw all back into place. And he was sitting in the, in the if you haven't been in the Sydney Cricket Ground dressing sheds, there's a, there's a bathroom that's got a big bath in it. And, He's sitting on the edge of the bath and Clive Churchill came in and said, I've got to let the reporters in. They want to know what's going on. And, and so he said, right, I let them in. So he, he let them in. And as he sat on the edge of the the, the bathtub, all the reporters said, oh, we've heard you're breaking your jaw. Is that right? And from all reports, Bobby McCarthy tells a really good story that he, he went to say, no, it's okay. As he went to open his mouth and all his jaw fell apart oh. again. And, and all the reporters, apparently half of them, nearly fainted themselves and a couple had to leave the room because they... they the side of the blood and and the, the state that his, his jaw was in, they, they couldn't actually look at it, it was that bad. So they rushed him off to the hospital, uh, still in his playing gear and, and wired his jaw up. And he was like that for about um, yeah, eight or nine weeks. Mate, is was it that grand final that, you know, he's got no trace of the jersey that he wore? Yeah, so he used to give all his jerseys away at the end of the year. So if they made the finals, the grand final, he'd he'd usually swap it with his other number. If they didn't make the grand final or they just finished the normal season, he used to give it to a, you know, one of the South volunteers or the guy that worked on the on the gate at Redfern Oval. But that, that was the only one that he kept. His only South Sydney jersey he kept. He's got a half a rabbit, which got torn off at the start of the 1970 jersey. Of course, he was so superstitious, he didn't want them to put a new rabbit on. So it's got half a rabbit ripped off it, the back half of the rabbit. And... Uh, and because he got rushed to the hospital, they were going to cut it off him. And he said, no, there's no way you're going to damage this jersey. So they delicately took it off and gave it to mum. Mum put it in the plastic bag, actually, and still had it um, up until 1999, 2000, where a gentleman who owned a memorabilia company promised that he'd, he'd frame it for, for dad. And and then um, that's the last we ever saw of it. So well, we're trying to, we're trying to uh, find where it is to this day. Fuck, you're a brave man to steal off John Sattler, aren't you? Yeah. 
know, and you know, I've spoken to all the people in the industry, and they say that you know, people, people of that nature who love memorabilia, hopefully it hasn't been damaged. Hopefully it hasn't been uh, burnt, uh, and the evidence is gone. Hopefully it's a person that's willing just to, I suppose, um, and uh, anonymously hand it over to someone and, and get it back in the family because it's something that's you know very cher- cherished by uh, by the old man. For sure, mate. Mate, is there a moment in your childhood you remember that, you know, dad did something or something happened that you sort of sat back and went, Jesus, like, this bloke isn't normal? He's tougher than the average bloke? Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely a really good question. I didn't realise you were held in such high regard as a rugby league player until I run around in his old jerseys, like his South Sydney and his Australian, that one South Sydney jersey, the 1971, and and his New South Wales and Australian jerseys. I used to run around those as a kid in the in the house, and but I didn't really truly appreciate actually what he stood for in the game. And coming into the first Origin game in 1980, and I was only about eight or nine, but I remember everyone stopping me every sort of five or ten meters. Everyone wanted to talk to him. I thought he's he's really important. And I remember asking mum about it, and then that's when I started watching all the old VHS cassette tapes of his games and. Um, yeah, it's got a true appreciation. When I realised he wasn't normal, was we grew up in pubs. We owned a lot of pubs around Queensland, and we used to live in the pubs that we owned. But every Friday night, there would be someone who wanted to try and take the mantle or try and take the the belt off the old man on a Friday night when he's he's had plenty of booze under his belt and he had a a lot of Dutch courage about him, and he'd try and take him on physically. And the amount of times I couldn't even tell you how many times that I've seen him clean up the average person who, who thought they were um, going to take the championship and went away with their tail between their legs or not many teeth in their face. So um, those those circumstances made me, one, think and understand and appreciate how good of a rugby league player and what he stood for and how tough he was on the field. But then he could handle himself off the field. I mean, it was quite amazing the amount of barbed balls that I saw him in where he was trying to protect a patron or protect the pub or one of the employees. It was it was endless. It was week after week. And that's when I realised that, you know, why do these people keep trying to take him on? One, he played 78 minutes with a, not a broken jaw, a smashed jaw. But then outside of that, he can fight like four mongrel dogs and, and no one can beat him. So, yeah, growing up as a kid, I I idolised him as a, as a father, but also was scared shitless of him. <laughs> Fuck, mate! I'm scared shitless of him. I'm just hearing about him over the phone, <laughs> mate. Obviously, your dad, John. You know, he had that that moment in 1970. That's you know, it's obviously stuck in rugby league folklore. And your moment would come in 2003. It's pretty special that father and son they both have you know moments that every time. Well, obviously, it's November this year, but normally October, September rolls around, and you're both normally featured heavily. It must be something you're extremely proud of. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. We're very proud, not because of the occasions. But I think we're more proud that we were able to play in teams that that won premierships. And and um, yeah, the, 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 the those little moments that you're talking about with him with the jaw and, and me um, in the grand final with, with the tackle, I, I suppose unselfishly, I, I'd like to think we're both very unselfish teammates. And um, but unselfishly, we don't think of that first. We think about the the success of the side and the role that we played in that side. Unfortunately enough, we played, we're able to play a role that, that many feel as though was important in the scheme of the thing. So, yeah, first and foremost, to, to try and... He'd already run 
He'd already, already won two premierships before 1970 in 67, 68. And um, so he was sort of used to playing in finals. Now, for me, it was, it was the first chance at a grand final, unfortunately. Uh, fortunately enough, a relatively weird one. But in, in relation to the moments themselves, yeah, it's, it's nice when, when they talk about both of us at the same time of the year. I'd, I'd be lying to say, in saying it that, I, that I didn't go as exciting. Mate, I'll ask you about the tackle in a second, but and you know that's obviously the moment everyone remembers. But outside of that, you you had a pretty handy game. I was watching it the other day. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I mean, Luke Pritis sets up that first try. You're the man that takes a hit up before that. You, you put your nose through, you get to your elbows and knees. And there's a there's another moment later in the game where it's six all. And I think Gowie gets tackled on fourth and you get the ball down the edge and you just put up a perfect kick that, you know, Anthony Minicello spills. And at that time, Anthony Minicello wasn't dropping anything. And of course, that leads mm. to the Luke Pritis try, like some pretty big moments that sort of flew under the radar. Yeah, I was always, I was always a player that... Um... I was a player that was happy being a role player. Like I was never going to be a Girdler or you know, Brad Fittler or Brad Clyde or anyone like that. I was always, always knew that I was going to be a role player. And what I mean by that is just plugging the holes that you need to fill and be that teammate that is, is always hopefully trying to be there for his, for his mate. And I was really comfortable with playing that role throughout my life, like my career. I was really comfortable, and, and you know, I suppose it was really good coaching also from. From Johnny Lang, he was always, he was always really mindful of if your players go down, well, there's got to be someone to step in there. And, and fortunately enough, I, I used to, I used to do a lot of training with the halves, and I, I played a bit of five eight throughout the years, and so I always tried to add another string to my bow, whether it was you know, a long passing game or a short passing game or kicking game, whatever it may be. So, yeah, on that night, it wasn't a happy night for many that night. It, it didn't handle the conditions that great, you know. He's, and uh, fortunately enough for us, yeah, that, that bomb he spilt. And there were a lot of moments throughout that game where I saw them as a player in the heat of the moment. I saw that, that to me, that it had really defining moments in that game that no one's ever really spoken about. Yeah, Luke Chris, you know, I, 
I know everyone talks about my moment in the grand final and and, um, and whether it played a big role or not. You know, it's that's subjective to you know to the onlooker. And, but I, I sort of feel sorry for Luke, Luke Prittis now and then because his performance was one of the greatest individual performances I think I've ever witnessed in a grand final. I and think it is the greatest boy. performance, mate. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's up there with one of Brett Kenny's in one of those three grand finals they won in the eighties. Just completely dominant from a guy that probably shouldn't have played in the game. Like he, he, he had an injection into a rib cage injury about three weeks beforehand. Punched an alarm. Didn't train that much at all grand final week because he had a, he had a household that was full of influenza. Possibly, probably shouldn't have played to be quite honest, but did knowing that he's the only one that had grand final experience with the Broncos in two thousand and. Just, just so simply dominant. It was quite amazing. He actually, he actually pulled off a tackle on Craig Wing on the southeastern corner of ANZ Stadium, and no one's ever. It's never really, never really ever been thought up. But I remember on the night, if Craig Wing actually gets through the tackle, he scores in the corner, and I think it could have been a different game. But Crudo just single-handedly just manhandled him and was able to bring him to the ground in the wet conditions. And, yeah, still to this day, I look at one of that little moment as a key moment in the game. Mate, I remember being out there, and it, it was just so wet. And, you know, the moment that I remember is that pass that, you know, Gowie's ready to take the field goal, and Luke dummied it, and he went down the short side, and Chris Walker got got um, got um sucked in a little bit. And the pass that he threw, like, if he would have thrown that on a, on a sunny Sunday afternoon, it would have been a good ball. To throw it the way he did that night, unbelievable. Well, if you watch the game just recently, he tried that in the first half. He got out of dummy. It was supposed to come back to the open. He got out of dummy half and threw a cutout ball to Luke Rooney, and Ryan Cross intercepted it. Luke uh, Tony Portool was, was back there in defence and was able to nearly... You know, just get hold of him and bring him down. So to have the courage and have the balls to be able to say, look, I'm going to try this again. It's 12-6. It's We're going to try and finish the game off with a field goal. We didn't even know. Because Gower was standing on the right side. I was standing on the left side as a left kicker just in case all the pressure came down on, on Gowie. And, and all of a sudden, he took off. And I remember the first reaction from, from a few of us were, what are you doing? And then he, he fired that pass. It was just great vision. You, you look at the vision again and when he walks up to the dead, uh, to the up to the to play the ball, he actually looks through the corner of his eye up to his left to see what the numbers were. It was beautiful vision, and yeah, it was an amazing, uh, amazing response to a guy that you know it didn't go to plan in the first half, but had the balls to be able to do it in the second half. All right, tell me about the tackle. Ryan Girdler puts a kick in, it rebounds. Freddie picks it up. Freddie throws, you know, another unbelievable pass in the pouring rain. Finish the story for me. Probably got to go back. Got to go back probably nearly two years um, because uh, when Johnny Lang came to the club, he, and me being the lock, he, I remember one of our first meetings, he said, you know, how, do you, how do you like to play as a lock? And I sort of I told him, and he said, well, you know, that's how I want you to play, but I, I want you to also try and adopt some old school lock methods, which is, you know, if the halfback goes down or the five-eight goes down, you've got to be able to kick and you've got to be able to pass and but especially on fifth tackle, you're on the opposite side of the ruck where the ball is, and we're going to put the kick in. I just want you to start drifting in behind the line. Just in, he's always used this saying, saying, just in case you need it. And so I did that every training session and every game for, for two years until the last game I played for the Penrith. It actually worked out in my favour where you know, Gerds went from the left-hand side. I remember running behind me. I, I remember saying to him in the game, where are you going? And he ran over to the right-hand side, grabbed the ball and, 
to put the grubber in. As soon as he went to put the grubber in, I sort of just started heading behind, and that's when it ricocheted off of Rico's leg. So, you know, if it was a dry night, I'm pretty sure Toddy Byrne would have been running around underneath the goalpost. But I, I do recall it being really quiet, really silent. You couldn't hear anything. I, I can recall in that silence, I can remember Reese Wester, our, our fullback, yelling at me saying, um, my nickname was Scooter. He said, Scooter, I've got you inside. So I just sort of I kept chasing and and if he stepped inside, Reese would be able to get him. But fortunately enough for me, he kept going down the sideline. Being a wet night, I, I was always being a bit of a mud runner. I was able to get really good contact on him and slide into, into touch. When I turned around, Reese was about 30 metres away. There was no chance in the world he was, <laughs> he was getting anywhere near him. But um, yeah, fortunately enough for me, it worked out. You know, unfortunate for Toddy. Um, you know, he's, he's a lovely bloke, Toddy Green. He's, he's copped an absolute pasting the last 17 years. And he's, he's, a, he's a very good player, Toddy Green. He probably doesn't deserve the, the abuse he cops. Yeah, you've certainly done a number on him, no doubt about that. Mate, obviously in grand finals, they're one in moments. And on that night, it was Luke Prittis and yourself that provided those moments. Who do you look to this Sunday for the Penrith Panthers? Funnily enough, I, you know, the, the, the usual suspects, which was you know, Cleary and Kikau and those sort of players, um, I think if the Panthers win, I think Api Coruscant is going to have a Luke Prittis-like moment. I think he's going to be a player that will have such a dominant performance around the middle of the field that he'll outplay out Cameron Smith. Um, completely different styles of the game they play. But I think Api Coruscant has, has the game of, of, his, of his career. You know, he's already said publicly, 